0: and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. It's been a great day at church today, and there's more to come. I mean, it's just amazing. Praise God, it's just been so good. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, um, Luke 19. So I've got the last four verses of Luke 19. So just by way of reminder, we're Uh, we're in Jerusalem now Jesus is up in Jerusalem Um, Mark shared with us that map a couple of weeks ago with the the long path all the way down through which started in about Luke 9 I think Um, and uh, we got this incident which happens in the temple in Jerusalem so I'll just read this passage Uh, so the last four verses basically and this is from the New King James (coughs) Then then speaking of Jesus then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear to him. So much in this. (laughs) So much in this. Okay, so first of all, let's try and set some context. So I've got here a picture um, of what the Temple Mount looked like in Jerusalem in around 60 AD, okay? So this is a picture of a model, actually, um, (coughs) that's in one of the museums in Jerusalem. So if you imagine it, uh, the Mount of Olives is off, off on the eastern side of Jerusalem. So if you were... It's, the angle is slightly high, so effectively, if you were flying a drone um, off the Mount of Olives uh, in 60 AD, uh, this is the scene that you would be in front of you. Okay, so the whole the whole platform, if you like, is called the Temple Mount, the kind of structure that the whole temple is built on. And there's like a portico which runs all the way around the outside, and the large area that you see um, before the building in the middle. Uh, It's all the temple, okay? Um, The large area is called the Court of the Gentiles. Um, And the story that we're we're reading, the the, the account that we're reading of, takes place in the Court of the Gentiles. Now, if you look off to the left, you can just about see some steps um, coming out of the Temple Mount. Um, In Jesus' day, those steps, that's on the south side. (coughs) Okay? Right on the left, yeah. So if you, like, if you like, you're looking towards the west. So the south is on the left, the north is on the right as you look at it. So the steps on the left, um, those steps lead down on a path or a road that runs all the way down to the pool of Siloam. Um, so when Jesus had the blind guy and he said, go and bathe your eyes in the pool of Siloam, he would have gone out of the temple, down those steps, down the path to the pool of Siloam at the bottom. Um, and I think Mark spoke last week about the, the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall. So obviously the Western Wall is on the West. Um, so you can't, that's not looking, that's behind what we're seeing here, if you like. So if you imagine on the top left corner, down, that's the, where is today the Western Wall. And when Jesus, Jesus would have been looking at a site like this when he wept. Um, and the word for, when he wept over Jerusalem. Um, and when he wept, the word for weeping there is different from the, the wept in John 11. So when Jesus was, was wept over Lazarus dying, that was kind of like a, uh, just a quiet tears. Whereas the, the, the weeping here was a big sobbing. I mean, he was really wailing Yeah, what was going to happen to Jerusalem. Um, And 70 AD, when we come to Luke 21, which is in October, and we hear about uh, the destruction of Jerusalem that Jesus foretold, literally not one stone was left on another. And and today you can go and visit the kind of the the southwest corner of the Temple Mount. So if you like, the walls around that the temple's built on are are there today. And if you go around and see the, the southwest corner, which is the top left as you're looking at it, there's stones on the ground which came off the top, which was when the temple was destroyed by the Romans. They literally raised it to the ground. Okay, so, but <laughs> there's, there's more, more of that. There's more of that I'm going to be talking about here, and there's more of that when we do Luke 21. Uh, but one of the things I really wanted to point out is this huge area is called the Court of the Gentiles, and that's where all this stuff is, takes place. <laughs> okay, so let's dig in. Um, so, first, first part of the first verse of uh, Luke 45. Uh, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it. So they bought and sold in it. <laughs> so there was these traders set up. Now uh, we can read this account in all four gospels. Um, I think most people think the, the account in John is a separate occasion that seems to take place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So the other synoptic gospels are called Matthew, Mark and Luke who all have this account. And when we read it in uh, Matthew, I think it's in Matthew, um, it talks about being tables of money changers and tables of those that sold doves. So why are there money changers? So first of all, very craftily, there was a special currency used for the temple tax. So you had to change your Roman and Greek money Uh, into the local currency so that you could pay your temple tax. Um, And plainly the implication is that there was some conning going on here. (laughs) That there was some, uh, what's the word, creative accounting going on. Um, The other thing is that they were selling doves. Now, for me, I think this is appalling, because um, as a Jew, under the sacrificial system, under the old law, when you came to bring your trespass offering, if you were poor then you, you bought a dove. So a, a dove was what was sacrificed by the people that were poor, basically. So these traders are not just exploiting anybody. It's not, it's not kind of like a Robin Hood thing, where robbing the rich to feed the poor. He's exploit They're exploiting the poor. So it's double ouch, isn't it, really? Um, and uh, I think some accounts say that they were probably charging something like 20 times more i don't know how they get that information but uh, so jesus Jesus starts to to drive them out basically you can imagine him being incensed at seeing these people being taken advantage of Um, but there's something else to see in this verse and that is he drives out the buyers and the sellers it's not just the tables he's turning over he's driving out the buyers if there was no buyer there would be no seller Okay, in the in the U.S. at the moment, we're seeing that quite a lot, uh, where the Christian community and and, and those are some political movements as well within the U.S. don't like particular viewpoints, and so they uh, basically boycott those suppliers or the people selling those things. And there's a a big drive at the moment in the U.S. called Buy Local, basically. So you boycott all large companies. So, I mean, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? But fundamentally, if you're not buying somebody's stuff, they go out of business. So um, Jesus is challenging the the buyers as well as the sellers here as he turfs them out. Okay, uh, reading on, verse 46. So as as he's turfing them out, he's saying to them, Um, he's he's driving these buyers and sellers out and he's saying, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Um, So all this illegitimate, illegal, illegal illegal trading going on. Uh, Exploitation, really. Um, But Jesus also quotes from Isaiah 56 here. Um, and I've got the, the quote expanded from Mark 11. So, Mark 11:17, it says this. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? For all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. So, Jesus is in the court of the Gentiles. He's in the court of the Gentiles. In Isaiah 56, you can read this as a prophecy. Um, it is. Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations. So there's something. Jesus is is speaking out a prophetic as well as enacting it. So Jesus is implying that it's fulfilled today, i.e., in 30 A.D. or whenever it was he went through the courts. It's enacted today that as a Gentile, if you converted to Judaism, you could go into the court, into this court, and you could pray. Um, And what was happening is that it had been filled up with these people buying and selling so Gentiles could no longer go and pray. They were being excluded, essentially. Um, So Jesus is reminding the Jewish people My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. But also, Jesus is pointing forward to when he would be on the cross. And the way would truly be open for all Gentiles to come to a saving knowledge of us without a sacrificial system because there will be one sacrifice, one sacrifice for all. Whoa, hallelujah. So... What happened then? So, so as we know, the Jews rejected their Messiah. Um, but what happened then is the Gentiles started to reject the Jews. And one of the things that caught fire in the in the church in the early centuries was essentially anti-Semitism. And Christians did terrible things to Jewish people. Um, and nowadays, you, you talk to some Jews, and they'll, they'll tell you the story about their grandmother said, don't you go read in the New Testament, that will teach you how to torture Jews. Um, and I heard a testimony just this week of uh, a Jewish guy. He was told not to read the New Testament. Okay, So I don't know about you, but when you're told not to do something, what do you do? <laughs> so he's in a library... And he looked around to just ch- check that no one was about. It. And he opened up his Bible and he started reading Matthew's gospel. And he like, thought, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of, son of, son of. And it, it, talked, it talked about David, it talked about Moses, and then it talked about this Jewish Messiah called Jesus. And suddenly he realized that, hang on a minute, this Jesus is actually a Jewish Messiah. And and, and we're blessed because the Jews rejected Jesus. But one day, one day there will be revival in Israel. There will be revival amongst the Jewish people. Okay, we can read that in in Romans. Uh, So Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 25 says this, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, so a mystery is something that's hidden in God and it's not revealed until you see it in the New Testament often. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. That's the, the nation or the people of Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, the eyes of the Jewish people will be opened. In fact, I don't have it there, but verse 26 goes on. And so all Israel shall be saved. So I am not in the school that thinks the Jewish people have been replaced by the church. Okay, For centuries, there's a teaching going around the church. I think they call it replacement theology. Um, some people call it supersessionism. I think I've got a pronunciation right. Which basically teaches that the church replaces the Jewish people in the plans of God. And that's not true. God still has a plan for the Jewish people. And we pray for peace in Jerusalem. And we pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. Amen. Um, but that's exciting. That one day. So when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now there's an interesting one. Has that happened yet? So, I don't know, it's a simple answer. Um, in Luke 21, whoever's going to be doing Luke 21, I think it's 24, Jesus talks about Jerusalem being trampled until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So as the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled, oh, hmm, have i got time, I don't know, gosh, David. Time for a quick digression, maybe, just a <laughs> okay. quick digression then. So in the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled, with uh, it talks about Jerusalem being trodden under the, of the Gentiles until the times of Gentiles be fulfilled. So in 1967, um, the Jewish people, the State of Israel, uh, retook the whole of Jerusalem, uh, including the Temple Mount, which was key for them. Uh, Mushar Dayan, who was defence minister at the time, he basically said that um, right, right now, as you know, on the Temple Mount is, uh, is the Dome of the Rock, uh, which is sacred to Islam, as well as the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, the defence minister, Mushar Dayan, recognised it was highly sensitive to the Temple Mount. Um, so what... The state of Israel agreed to was that the Islamic community, I think they call it the Islamist wakaf or something, so essentially it's Jordan, so Jordan basically looks after the Temple Mount. So today, although Israel looks after the security of the Temple Mount, it's actually Jordan that effectively still manage it on a day-to-day basis. So have the times of Gentiles been fulfilled yet? Maybe not. Um, In this passage in Romans, it speaks of the fullness of the Gentiles. So the fullness of the Gentiles almost implies a number to me because it's talking about something that's filling up. So is that encouraging us to get on with it? Because when we finished our evangelism, Israel gets saved. Are we controlling that in some way? I don't know, but you know there's some sort of implication going on here in the scripture (laughs) exciting times in which we live anyway I think we're seeing green shoots so in Israel today there is something of the order of 250 messianic assemblies and 50 years ago there was probably I don't know none a few one or two so it's not revival okay but God is on the move praise God Okay, uh, reading on. Uh, Luke nineteen forty-seven, 47, uh, part A I've got here. So, and he was teaching daily in the temple. He was teaching daily in the temple. So there's a good habit, the daily habit. Um, it's a pattern that the church adopted very early on. Um, in Acts chapter 2, it says this. So continuing daily... Was one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So there was this daily habit, right? Um, Daily prayer and preaching and breaking of bread. So later on in Acts, we see Paul going into the marketplace daily to preach. uh, The Brians read their scriptures daily it says and we've just been talking haven't we? we've just been receiving that challenge again about uh, pursuing God and um, I think having this pattern of daily is a really good pattern to have the mercies of God are in you every morning so let's touch heaven every morning or every afternoon or every evening what works for you but let's do it daily let's touch heaven every day as God's people. Let's receive that. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, 47 to 48. But the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the poor people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So here we have, they're the, the still... From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, they're trying to destroy Jesus. They don't like his preaching. All right? um, early, quite early on in his ministry, he's, he's preaching in Nazareth and uh, he's, he finishes preaching. He steps outside the synagogue and they try to turf him over a cliff. All right? And I've said this before that's one way to treat the guest preacher. Isn't it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know you've hit a spot. When, when, oh, when you get that sort of reaction right? when they're trying to turf you over the cliff but Jesus just walks through he just walks through the mist, and still we're, we're a week I think we're about a week away all right, from when he goes to the cross and there's still a resistance they cannot move against him they cannot move against Jesus yet and that's because Jesus has not yet laid down his life all right? in John 10 Jesus says this Uh, Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. So at a certain point, Jesus lays down his life. He chooses and then they move against him, all right. And they're in the garden. Um, I remember, I think it was when Jesus was talking to Pilate, he says, uh, Do you not know that I could call 12 legions of angels? Okay, a legion was 6,000, so he could call 72,000 angels to come and help him, all right. But he didn't, and he knew what he was going to go through, he knew that he would be separated from the love and presence of God by going to the cross. And yet he did that for you and me. He did that because he loves us. Um, and Satan didn't know. He, he didn't know the plan. All right? So three, three days later, Jesus is raised from the dead. He demonstrated that his sacrifice was enough by, by being raised from the dead. It demonstrates that it worked. It worked. And that you and I can now call on the name of God and be saved. You calls, yeah. So there were spiritual forces operating through the people that sought to destroy Jesus. It says elsewhere in Scripture, for had they known, speaking of these spiritual forces, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would not have crucified the Lord of Glory. And as I was praying about this service this morning, I was just reminded I'd completely forgotten, I hadn't mentioned it, put it into my message, but I'd completely forgotten that important aspect of the spiritual forces that were trying to operate. And I suddenly thought to myself, Yeah, hang on a minute. If they were seeking to destroy Jesus at that point, they're obviously trying to stop people get born again right now. Okay? So I don't I don't have this on the slides here, but I, I, I wrote it down in my notes. And it's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Um, And it says, Whose minds the God of this age, in the AV it says, uh, the God of this world. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So I suddenly saw, in a way I hadn't seen before, That when we're praying for people to get saved and to see the truth of the gospel, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And we need to to pray against the enemy who's trying to blind their eyes. Because he doesn't want them to see. He doesn't want them to see the truth. Because he knows. That's one less in hell. One less in hell. And there's another one and another one. So... I receive the challenge, Lord, <laughs> to change the way I pray uh, for people that, have, that are not have heard the gospel but are not responding to it. Uh, what is stopping you from praying that prayer, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway. Incredible. So much in those few verses. Um, so much ground that we've covered. Um, but yeah, I think the, the musicians are going to come and... Uh, give us another song and uh, just as i do that i'll just pray a prayer around what i've prayed what we've been studying uh, lord i just thank and praise you for your word lord i thank you that it speaks about so many different things um to us about the persecution the way in which christians have persecuted the jews in the past and that's wrong lord uh, about um the fact, the Jewish people will come to a saving knowledge of you, and we pray for that fulfillment. And Lord, uh, we pray uh, in the right way, Lord, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our relatives that don't yet know you, Lord. Help each one of us to just pray the right prayers, to see that breakthrough, to see the reality of the truth. Uh, that they too would experience that love that you have for them. And uh, Lord, we just give you the praise and we give you the honor and we give you the glory in Jesus' mighty wonderful name. The people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.